we come to the wall of Jericho. How we conquer is our theme. It is the way we're thinking about doing life, not just coping, but being victorious. The wall of Jericho is this fortified wall around a city that if Israel can't get through, then they can't possess the future. They can't go around it. The only way to to get a hold of what God has for them is somehow confront Jericho. And so it's one of the great miracles that I've ever read about. It is one of the most exciting stories of the Bible. And we try to transfer what happened thousands of years ago into a relevant source of strength and inspiration for us today. And it's not hard because we'll see how our lives connect with this story. You really can't start the reading of Jericho in chapter 6 without seeing the end of chapter 5. Because it is a setup. Matter of fact, we, we are the ones who put chapters in the Bible. So a lot of times when you stop at the end of a chapter, you're stopping right in the very middle of something that was going on that if you separate it, you, you don't get the full story. So we're going to start at verse 13 of chapter 5. Joshua chapter 5 verse 13. It says, when Joshua was near the town of Jericho, he looked up, saw a man standing in front of him with sword in hand. Joshua went up to him and demanded, are you friend or foe? Neither one, he replied, I am the commander of the Lord's army. At this, Joshua fell with his face to the ground in reverence. I am at your command, Joshua said. What do you want your servant to do? The commander of the Lord's army replied, Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua did just as he was told. Now we're going to come back to what we see in that encounter. But notice in Joshua 6, starting at verse 1. Now the gates of Jericho were tightly shut up because the people were afraid of the Israelites. No one was allowed to go out or in. But the Lord said to Joshua, I have given you Jericho its king, and all its strong warriors. You and your fighting men should march around the town once a day for six days. Seven priests will walk ahead of the ark, each carrying a ram's horn. On the seventh day, you are to march around the town seven times, with the priests blowing the horns. When you hear the priests give one long blast on the ram's horns, have all the people shout as loud as they can. Then the walls of the town will collapse And people can charge straight into the town. So Joshua called together the priests and said, Take up the ark of the Lord's covenant. Assign seven priests to walk in front of it, each carrying a ram's horn. Then he gave orders to the people, March around the town, and the armed men will lead the way in front of the ark of the Lord. One final verse. Look at it on the screen, if you will. This takes us down to the, the last verse. Let's go to... Verse 7, then, yeah, verse, that's the verse. On the seventh day, the Israelites got up at dawn, marched around the town as they had done before, but this time they went around the town seven times. Next verse. The seventh time around, as the priests sounded the long blast on their horns, Joshua commanded the people, Shout, for the Lord has given you the town. As they shouted, somehow in the power of God, This wall came tumbling down. Human logic 
struggles to, to figure out how this happened. I mean, was it some type of strong sound wave coming from at least 600,000 men uh, shouting and lifting their voice? And some people even struggle with this story because they can't figure it out. But we have to remember, if God is the one who created everything, if heaven and earth was created with God saying, let there be, and light came, and land came, and water came, and people, you know, were formed, if God is the creator, that's the macro miracle. This is the micro miracle. In other words, it is not difficult to believe that God could take five loaves and two fish and feed thousands of people, that he could turn water into wine, that he could cause an axe head, an iron axe head to swim, that he could cause this wall to fall if, in fact, he created heaven and earth. So I believe he's the creator, and I'm not going to let my logic undermine my theologic, my theology that says... God is the creator, therefore, he can suspend laws, he can do whatever he wants in the way that he wants. So indeed, this wall fell and archaeologists have found the remains of the wall. So let's come into this text today and see what we can receive as the word of the Lord. Joshua had an encounter. That's the word that's on my heart. We have to have an encounter with God. When you face your Jericho, and we all do, it's that obstacle, it's that next problem, it's that next thing that unless we can deal with it, we can't go forward. It's what's to be dealt with in order to move into the next phase or season of our vision. You have to confront it, you can't go around it, you can't avoid it. We certainly don't want to retreat, so we're left to deal with our Jericho. And in dealing with Jericho, it's going to require such a level of faith and perseverance that we need not confront it without first having an encounter with God. I think the reason we sense such a strong presence of the Lord here today is because God knows we all have Jerichos, and He knows that really we need to experience more than we need to get educated when it comes to dealing with Jericho. Because our experience in the presence of God is going to sustain us in our faith and our perseverance to see the miracle happen. So I'm talking from this part of the story of how we need to encounter God. We see that he instructed Joshua to do what he told Moses to do way back at the burning bush. Take off your shoes. You're standing on holy ground. We know that the burning bush was an encounter that Moses had with God. Joshua has had many. Matter of fact, there was one time when Joshua was in the tent of meeting where they experienced the presence of the Lord. After Moses left, the Bible says in Exodus, Joshua remained. He was experiencing God. We know this about him. And so we find again, before a major challenge is to be confronted and conquered, Joshua is having this encounter in the presence of God. Study the Bible and see how great men and women encountered God before accomplishing great things, before overcoming adversity. Every time Jacob needed to go to the next level, he would first return to Bethel, which is called the house of God, 
where he had experienced God and continued to experience God. And out of that encounter, he was resourced to go and to confront his future. David is the one who says to Goliath, I've been in the presence of God. I've experienced the presence of God. I've experienced a demonstration of the presence of God. I've seen the authority of God over the authority of my adversaries. And so you are coming down. And he had faith that rose out of his experience and encounter with God. We need to encounter God. Here's the strong word on my heart today. Encounters with God empower perseverance. Encounters with God empower perseverance. It's interesting to see the battle plan. It's unlike any we have seen thus far in the Bible. They are to march around this fortified wall, and not just one time, not just two times. There are many times they're going to have to march around once a day. And we, we have learned by what archaeologists have found that it would take about 20 minutes to walk around the wall because it was a mile circle, so at least 20 minutes. And then when you add the number of people, it took even longer than that. They are to do this once a day and in silence. So there are many opportunities for the enemy to bring discouragement, to bring human logic to overcome the unconventional plan to where they would just stop. You see, it's the encounter with God that empowers perseverance, especially when we're called by God to take some unusual steps of faith. God can meet needs in the most amazing, creative, unconventional ways, and we'll miss the miracle if we don't persevere, and we persevere by the power of God received as we encounter God. One of the most amazing books I've read in a long time is called Circle Maker. It is advertised in the bulletin because one of our classes is going to be studying that book. I recommend it to you. It's by Mark Batterson. And, and the whole metaphor of the circle is circling the things that are on our heart, the prayer burdens. We want to see answers. We want to see miracles. So we're circling, saying, Lord, I need you to, to help me, empower me. I need you to work this out. So we circle that in prayer. And he talks about persevering, continuing to circle those needs until we see them met. And he uses this very story to reference how easy it would have been for them to stop. But they kept circling, and they kept circling, and they kept circling. Are you continuing to pray? Are you persevering in your faith, believing that God is going to help you? Conrad Hilton, back in the 1930s, was on the verge of bankruptcy. No one was traveling because of the Great Depression. It is in 1931 that he cut out a picture of the Waldorf, Waldorf Historia, that magnificent hotel in New York City. Even then, it had 2,000 rooms. It had its own hospital and railroad. It was the most amazing hotel maybe in the world. He wanted to buy it, yet he is borrowing money, not from lending institutions. He's borrowing money from friends just to make it through the day. That's how desperate his own finances were. It was no time to dream. But he cut out the picture and he established the dream of one day buying that hotel. That was in 1931. In 1949, he bought the hotel. You see, it, it, it is a picture of holding on, continuing to circle, 
not letting go. It is a picture of perseverance. It is saying, I'm going to keep believing. Batterson, in his book, Circle Maker, says you got to dream big, but you have to think long. We like everything to happen quickly. Are we willing to keep circling even when answers don't come quickly? You know what I've discovered in my own life? When answers don't come quickly, I'm easily disappointed. When answers don't come quickly, I can get kind of on a, a defeat side and, and I'll stop, I'll give up, I'll throw in the towel. We've got to keep circling. Think about Jesus' parables. There was seed, time, then harvest. We often preach seed, time, harvest. And we preach seed, time, harvest in one sermon. And if we aren't careful, we will expect seed, time, harvest to happen like really quickly. It is seed, put it in the ground, time, harvest. Keep circling. Keep praying. What if today we get harvest on a two-month-old prayer? A 20-year prayer. Maybe someone gets saved today and there's been a grandmother praying for that person's salvation for 20 years. And this is harvest day. Maybe this is the day you put a seed of prayer in the ground and you start the process. Maybe this is the day that the wall comes down. Maybe this is the day you're empowered to circle it one more time. No doubt this is God's day and God has a plan to help you in wherever you are in the process. I love the book, Great by Choice, written by Jim Collins. He references the power of choice, fanatic discipline, these elements that are part of arriving at a place of greatness. He studies companies. It's just fascinating, especially if you have a job in the marketplace. I would recommend it. It's a fascinating read. He sets the whole book up off of two men who didn't like each other, who were explorers, and, and they both wanted to be the first to discover the South Pole. They had this, this very declared desire, and they were going to race against each other. They had built their teams, prepared their resources, done all the research to try and make it not only safely, but first. One of those explorers, he would go as far as he could go every day, and if the weather was great, he would go far, maybe 40 miles, while the other explorer just had this 20-mile march mentality. If I can go 20 miles today, 20 miles the next day. The guy who would overextend on great days, on adverse weather days, he and his team would stay in the tent. While the other explorer was like, no matter the conditions, 20 miles a day. 20 miles a day. It was called the 20-mile march. They refused to be determined by the circumstance, whether good or bad. They were just disciplined, consistent, persevering. And he was not only the first to get to the South Pole. All of his team survived while the other team, many of them died. It's a fascinating story that shows us this incredible principle. I want to put it on the screen. Talking about the kind of discipline that helps you to exert self-control in an out-of-control environment. That's what Jericho's about. And that's why it connects so well with life. Perseverance is exerting self-control in an out-of-control environment. The economy's out of control. It's out of your control. 
It's out of our control. But we will exert self-control. If there's a physical diagnosis, it's out of your control. You will exert self-control. If there's a relational issue and you can't solve it because you can't change the other person, you will exert self-control in an environment that is out of control. The Jericho Wall was beyond Israel's ability to bring down by simply walking and shouting. But I want to tell you, they exerted self-control in the environment that was out of control. I love miracles that happen right at the moment we pray. If today's the first day you've discovered a certain need, I hope you pray and get the answer. But I want to also appeal to people who are going to have a season who need to exert some self-control while there are some things that are out of control. Because God's great people, they do this. This is a result of perseverance. And perseverance is empowered by our encounter with God. Think about the Japanese bamboo tree. There's one type that when you plant it, you see no visible evidence of growth for five years. But in the fifth year, it starts to grow at an average of two and a half feet per day, up to 90 feet. We are going on a five-year journey. It's going to be the most incredible experience, but it will not happen without a 20-mile march mentality. It will not happen without empowered perseverance. I believe with all of my heart in five years we're going to be at our best spiritually, relationally, financially, physically. But it will not happen in this American cultural influence of quick fixes, of immediate gratification. It is going to happen because we encounter God And we are willing to keep circling. Some are going to get on the get rich slow program. Because that's really the only one there is. You got to set a budget. Honor the budget. Over a season of time. Maybe a year, maybe two years, maybe five years. But if you do, you move from where you are to where you want to be. Because you stay with it. If you don't like the relational strength, it can change. Keep circling it in prayer. And set a plan. And stay with it. Empowered by God. And you will see a harvest on those decisions. Praise God. Just keep praying and persevering. I want to show you a verse. And then we will act on what we have seen in this passage. Go back to the second verse of chapter 2. I mean of chapter 6. But the Lord said to Joshua, I have given you Jericho, its king and all its strong warriors. So before they take the first trip around the wall get to that seventh day, raise their voice, see the miracle. This is what God is saying to Joshua. Mark Batterson points out in his book 
how this is in the past tense. I have given you Jericho. It's not I will give you Jericho. It states that it's already done. And out of a season in his life when he saw that, God challenged him to pray and praise. When you pray, it's future tense. Lord, I'm giving you this need and I'm asking you to help me. Now I'm going to praise you, believing that it's done. This is not forcing God into a corner and demanding that he meet our needs. This is moving off of a promise God has given you as you have prayed. We pray, Kelly and I do, for our family. We believe God has given us a promise concerning our family. We know God has given us a a promise concerning our family. So we pray about immediate need, but then we praise God that it's done way before evidence of the completed work, of the breakthrough, of the forward progress. And I want to tell you, that's a powerful, powerful practice for the people of God. It made me think about the times where I've seen people praise God, and as a result, they experienced a miracle from God. See, the miracle was the result of what happened in Jericho. The shout was the cause. Now, you know, God brought the wall down, but they participated in this work of God. And I want to say that praise was part of the process. Even some of the commentaries distinguish between the trumpet used to, to, to say we're going into battle and the trumpet used in the Jubilee, which was their praise service. And that the trumpets used going around Jericho was not the trumpet that were going into battle, but the trumpets that announced the presence of God. Now, that being part of this text, do you see that praise was what God used as part of the cause? The effect was the miracle. The result was the miracle. But it was faith. It was praise built out of the promise of God that empowered a people to persevere and to see something happen that had never happened before. Now, we we have to get this. We live on a different set of principles than people who don't know the Lord. We live by faith. We go beyond human logic. We go beyond human ability and education and experience. And we move into the spiritual principles of God's word. Where we believe in God, the great sovereign higher power who can do anything at any time. And if he's given you a promise, now pray that promise and praise God for the result, for the finished work. I wish I had time and, and the place to unfold stories in our life. You could do the same where when you entered it, it was the most heartbreaking, uncertain, difficult part of your journey. But yet you went back to the promise that God had given you concerning that. Somewhere along the way, you praise God in spite of it.
You praise God in a sense of saying, Lord, this is going to change. And I'm going to praise you now that it's done. That is one of the strongest biblical principles. And we have had it robbed in a way or threatened by people who manipulated it to where we get a little on the edge of saying, you know, is that weird or is that inappropriate because of all the, the name it, claim it stuff where we were claiming stuff that, that God wasn't interested in. We were interested in it. And we, we are tempted to lose this incredible principle. And so I just refuse to let that happen. I, I don't care what you've seen or heard. Come back to biblical truth. Be established on the word. And I want you to see that the Lord said to Joshua, I've given it to you. I have given it to you. Do you have a promise in your heart, over your life, over your future, over your family, over your finances, over your marriage, over your walk with God, over your vocational direction? Do you have a promise where God is saying, here's my word to you. And now you pray the word, which we've talked about in an entire sermon, how to pray the word. And then you praise God that it's done. I want to challenge you today. With these words, I want to put it up on the screen. It's called advanced praise. This is what I've been hearing in my heart. What we see in Joshua is advanced praise. I want you to think about the word advance. The word advance, it means ahead of. The word advance also means to accelerate, accelerate progress. Now think of the two. Let the Holy Spirit just... Stir this in your heart, how he wants to apply it to your life. I'm hearing God say, are you willing to praise me ahead of the miracle happening? But do you realize that advanced praise, and maybe I could give illustration, that if I'm willing to praise him right now in advance of the miracle happening, that that is the very empowerment to advance. That what needs to happen is for us to express such dependence on God that we would praise Him before we see the miracle happen. And that in doing so, the miracle happens. That we would praise in advance of seeing anything change and that very act of dependence on God and faith in God would release from God such power that we then could move forward because otherwise we're stuck. Israel's got a lot of ground to take. They will never get to the houses they didn't build and to the land that was just given to them and to the vineyards that they did not plant. They will never get to that unless they deal with Jericho. There's a lot out there for you. It's more amazing than you could ever imagine I say that by the word of the Lord in Ephesians chapter 3. But you don't get to it unless you deal with your Jericho. So when you're at Jericho, what do you do? You choose. You choose to pray and praise. And if you'll praise God in advance, what you're doing is encountering God. What you're doing is you're putting your heart in a focus 
on the one who's greater than your Jericho. You're aligning your heart not to just see how strong your adversity is. You're realigning your heart to the strength and the greatness of God. Nothing alters perspective like praise. And when you alter your perspective through the power of praise and you realize the greatness of God, there's just something that happens in your faith life. And that's where the promise that may have gone dormant rises in your mind and you start claiming the promise, saying, God has given. Joshua said to the people, here's the battle plan. Now do it because God has given us the city. Let's act on this word today. 